Hey guys, good morning. Um, it's good to be with you guys today. Thank you, Aizo, for welcoming in such a good way. Um, I'm feeling very humbled. Uh, God our bless Sana. And I hope you guys are okay, Manze. It's unfortunate that we can't gather together. But hey, I mean, praise be still to God. I mean, God knows what he's doing and he's working through our lives and through our nation. I think the important thing is to keep praying for our nation. The important thing is that we keep sanitizing, keep wearing our masks, Social distance, manzina, just as we want to hug Lakini, let's try and maintain our distances. But today we just want to be grateful to God for this opportunity. Um, we've just finished the series Made for More, you know, and I pray that you guys will live to that potential of Made for More. Um, and if you don't know, if you've not gone through that series, I mean, just be free to just come to Karua, go to our YouTube channels and just watch the videos. Um, they are there. They are there. Today we just want to start on the book of Mark. Um, and Mark is one of those books in the Bible. It's one of those we call synoptic gospels. Um, it's found in the New Testament, by the way. You see, same Old Testament. But today, we just want to look at the book of Mark. And we'll be journeying through the book of Mark um, from the month of April and hopefully also the month of May. And I don't know what you know about the book of Mark. Probably you can go to our YouTube channel and just chat there and say, you know what, I, this is what I know about the book of Mark. And then we shall get to see your responses from there. But today we begin the study of the book of Mark. And we are calling this series On Your Marks. Have you guys ever done a race? I'm sure you guys have done a race. But before you start a race, there's always that guy who says, On Your Marks. You know? And today we want to just call that series On Your Marks for two reasons. One, because the book of Mark is a fast-paced book, by the way. When you look at the book of Mark, it's like, you know, even Mark doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus, doesn't talk about, you know, the young, um, the, the time that Jesus was young, but he talks about his adulthood and how he got into ministry, you know. So it's a fast-paced book, and that's why we're calling it On Your Marks. The second reason is to help you walk through the book, you know, to help you walk through the book as you pick lessons about Jesus. You know, the interesting thing about it is Matthew um, paints Jesus as a different angle. Mark does the same and Luke does the same, as well as John, you know. And Mark, at this point in time, is looking at Jesus as a servant. If you go to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his, his life as a ransom for many. And so Mark paints, us, paints Jesus as a servant. And today we just want to look at the book of Mark. And here are the few things that you need to know about the book of Mark. Number one, um, it was written by the guy called Mark, by the way. Um, it was written by the guy called Mark. And Mark was not really per se a disciple, but was one of those spiritual children to Peter. Um, and you know Apostle Peter, he was one of the disciples. And then Mark was also the earliest gospel to be written, you know. And then it is one of the shortest. You know, Matthew, I think, has 28. Luke has more than 20. But Mark itself has 16 chapters. So it's the shortest gospel. And you're probably asking yourself, what's the gospel? You know, gospel just means good news. It comes from the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. And today we just want to look at the book of Mark chapter 1. And hopefully do also chapter 2. And then we shall continue next time. But I just want to read for you what verse 1 says. And this is what book of Mark chapter 1 says. It says the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare for the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. You know, Mark begins by saying the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And I love what he's saying. It's the beginning. 
you know, because he just wants to talk about Jesus. He wants to begin with the good news about Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. And you know, right from Mark chapter 1 to Mark chapter 16, he gives us a story of who Jesus was and what he did and why he did it. You know, I don't know. When was the last time you heard the word good news? I mean, our nation is full of sad news. You know, our nation is just full of sadness. I mean, our world is full of sadness. Our continent, you know, people are dying. People are being affected. I mean, there's COVID. I mean, there's lockdown. Lockdown itself was sad news for some of us. We can't gather to church. We can't come and see each other. We can't come and fellowship. I mean, it was sad news for some of us. I mean, some of us have lost jobs. I know every time you look at the headlines, you just see sad news. But here's what Mark is telling us. Mark is saying, Good news. And this is the good news about Jesus Christ. And I love the reason, the reason why Mark is introducing the good news of Jesus Christ is because the whole book of Mark, he will be telling us about what Jesus did and how he himself spread the news throughout everyone. And this is what it says in verse 9 of Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. You know, I don't know what you know about Galilee. You know, do you know where Jesus was born and where he lived? You can actually type it in the chat section. It says, came from, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. You know, um, this guy, we call him JB, you know, John the Baptist. He baptized Jesus at the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You know, and I think Matthew repeats the same, um, that, you know, you are my son whom I love and I'm with you and well pleased. You know, that moment and time. In fact, one of those instances where the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son meet together is at this point and also various places in the gospel. It says, you are my son whom I love. So Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit comes and God speaks and says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I don't know whether you'd want to hear that from your father. That with you, I, you are my son, whom I love. You know, many of you would want to hear that from even your biological father. I mean, I mean, if my late dad would ever say that, I mean, you'd really, you'd really feel encouraged. That your, your father says, you are my son, you know, whom I love and I'm well pleased. I know this is what God the Father is actually speaking to Jesus. And I'm wondering, how was Jesus feeling when God was saying that? But I pray that even you, as you live your life, that Christ can, God can actually come and say, you are my son, you know, whom I love with you, I am well pleased. But let me turn the focus to what he says in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. This is what Mark chapter, verse 14 says. After John was put in prison, so this is John the Baptist being put in prison. And it says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, the, of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. And believe. So Mark begins by saying the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And when he's put in prison, Jesus comes and says, Hey, Jesus went to the Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. Let, let me just give you, you know, Galilee was a place where many towns, this was like a junction where if you wanted to pass through any other city, you'd have to pass through Galilee. You know, and it makes me understand why Jesus was actually preaching so much in Galilee. And if you go through the book of Mark, he was actually really emphasizing himself in the book of, in, in Galilee. In fact, in Mark chapter 1 verse 39, he says, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Galilee was a major center. It was a major town. 
You know, if you needed to do anything, Galilee was the place to be. And so Jesus positions himself in a, an important town where he knew that anyone who would want to go to any city or any country would have to pass through Galilee. And so he says that in Galilee he went to proclaim the good news. That time has come. The kingdom of God. That's what he says. The kingdom of God has come near repent and believe. By the way, that's the whole point of why Jesus came. Jesus came to preach the good news so that you and I will repent and believe. You know, I wonder how often do we talk to others about the kingdom of God? Because if you look through the scriptures, one of the significant things that stand out in the book of Mark is that Jesus went and preached and taught. He, did, he didn't just preach, but he taught. In fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Thank God then there was no lockdown. So he had to go to church, a synagogue, and teach. You know, that's what the Bible says. And so I wonder how often do you preach the gospel to your people? I mean, Jesus decided, you know what? I'll go preaching throughout Galilee. I will spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I know what Ephesians chapter, uh, if the Bible, the Ephesians chapter 5 says that we should imitate what Christ does. And this is what Matthew chapter, um, Jesus says, this is what Jesus says. He says this, the kingdom of God has come near. And in Matthew 6.10, Jesus prays, your kingdom come. You know, when he's praying, he's making the Lord's, the Lord's prayer, he says, your kingdom come. Because really, our life is all about the kingdom of God. You know, it's about Christ's rulership and authority over our lives. Because Christ is actually emphasizing the kingdom of God has come near. You know, repent and believe the good news. And even in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus addresses the Pharisees and tells them, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. No, will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Other versions say the kingdom of God is within you. It's about Christ, guys. It's about the kingdom of God, because that is what Christ brought for us. And the part of the kingdom is that he died on the cross for us, you know, and that he saved us from our sins. It's about Christ ruling your heart. It's about him taking lordship over your life. And those are the questions you need to ask yourself. Is God lord over your relationship? Is God lord over everything you do? Is God lord over your finances, over your family, over your friendships with people? Because when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about Christ ruling in your heart. And this is what 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 to 11 says. Or don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And that's what 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 says. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, no idolaters, no adulterers, no men who have sex with men, no thieves, no the greedy, no the drunkards, no slanders, no swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God for everyone? No, it's not for everyone. The scripture clearly tells us that only those that do the will of God will inherit the kingdom of God. So this is not the kingdom of God is not for everyone. But this is what Christ says in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. The kingdom of God has come near. What do you need to do? You need to repent and believe. And repentance here is a change of heart, a change of attitude, a change of your mindset and behavior. How are you living your life? Are you living according to the principles of the kingdom of God? And how do you know the principles of the kingdom of God? It's written in his word. He gives you the principles. And so repentance is a change. It's, a, it's not just you confessing of your sins, but it's a conscious decision 
to move away from the things of this world, from the flesh, from the sin, and live your life for Christ Jesus. And so that's what Christ is calling us, to repent. But he's not calling you just to repent. He's calling you to believe in the good news. And what's the good news? That he came. And when he came, he came to redeem man. And when he redeemed man, you became his child. And that's what Christ is telling us. But let me move along in Mark chapter 1. He says this in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, there again, he's still in Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. And he says, come. He calls them, come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I love what the Bible says. At once they left their nets and followed him. But if you go through the book of Mark, there's this, there's this words you'll keep finding at once, immediately. You know, that's why I was saying the book of Mark is in a fast pace. You know, but as it comes to an end, it slows down. And verse 18 says, at once they left their nets and followed him. You know, someone just comes and calls you and tells you, hey, by there, get out. I mean, we need to go somewhere. Someone you've not known for long, but you've surely heard of him. And says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I know it's the same thing. I mean, if Jesus ever called you right now from what you're doing, come, follow me. Would you agree? I know Christ is always calling us. Christ is constantly asking us, come, come. In fact, he says, come to you who's weary burden. Come and to you who's, um, uh, to you who needs comfort, come. You know, that's what he says in the book of Isaiah. Come, follow me. That's what Christ is asking. And this is what the scripture says. And I want to read for you what he says about living in your life as a disciple. And this is what he says in the book of um, Mark chapter 8. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, this is Mark chapter 8 verse 34, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And so when Christ was calling the disciples, come and follow me, he's asking them, deny yourself, carry your cross. And I love the response the disciples had. They went at once. They left everything they were doing and followed Jesus Christ. And verse 35 continues to say, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, he will save it. If you're ever going to live a life for Christ, you must forget about yourself. You must lose yourself. You must deny yourself for you to follow Christ. In fact, I love what verse 36 of Mark chapter 8 says, that what, is it, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. So Christ is calling us to keep following him every day. You know, he says in verse 19 and 20, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. These guys, by the way, they were, they were busy doing their work. They were busy in their businesses. And then without delay, again, immediate, fast, without delay, he called them. They left their father Zebedee. Imagine, imagine, you go, you leave everyone in your family and you follow that person and you don't know even that person so much. But he says he left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men and he followed him. You know, Christ went to first call these guys. He went to tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. He was going to actually ask them, come, let's go preach the good news to them, to other people. And so that's what Christ does. He keeps calling us into himself. He keeps calling us to keep following him. And if the disciples were able to live, I pray that you will make a decision to also live and follow Christ Jesus. Allow me to go to Mark. I just want to look at Mark chapter 2 very quickly. 
and just take you through the book of Mark. I'll just read this story and then we will wrap it up today. But I pray that you will get time to just go study through the book of Mark and study through the book of Mark chapter 2. We will definitely not go through everything, uh, but I pray that you will get time. By the way, if you're not in a youth group, it's an opportunity for you to be in a youth group. You know, just chat in the chat section and say, I want to be in a youth group. And we will connect with you. And this is what Mark chapter 2 says. A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum. And Capernaum by there was in Galilee again. The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in large numbers that there was no room left. Not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. As I told you, by the way, you'll keep seeing that Jesus preached the word everywhere he went. You know, and the interesting thing about it, by the way, as you read the the book of Mark, is that guys kept on following him. You know, guys kept on just following him. And the question I was asking myself, were they following him because of the miracles? Or were they following him because they wanted a relationship with him? You know, and I think it's in the book of John, he comes to question and ask, are you following me because of what I've done for you? Or you're following me because you want to have a relationship with me? And so verse 3 says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, to the paral- when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed, your sins are forgiven. I love the fact that Jesus didn't say you're healed. Please note you know, when you go back to the book of Mark chapter 1, he heals everyone. He actually, actually heals um, Simon's mother-in-law. He actually heals a man with leprosy. But this time, instead of saying you're healed, he comes and says, your sins are forgiven. Now, during those days, I mean, if you suffered any disease or you were paralyzed or you had leprosy, people thought you probably had sinned or some, done something wrong. And so Jesus gets to understand the culture of them. And what does he do? He responds to them by saying, your sins are forgiven. Because they knew once your sins are forgiven, then you will be healed. So Jesus uses their culture to be able to respond to them. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And what happens to this man? This is what it says in verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And so this guy is forgiven. You know, even Jesus, at that moment in time, he didn't tell him you're healed. He just said, you're forgiven. And there's there's a certain healing that comes when you forgive. I think that's the picture he lays for us on the cross. That every moment we look at the cross and fix our eyes on the cross, every time we sin and ask for forgiveness, then he heals us. And that's what he did for us on the cross. He took away our sins and our infirmities. And that's the picture I see from the book of Mark chapter 2. And he forgave us of our sins. And I pray today, this, during this Easter, you know, we are, today is, today is um, we, are, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, that he died on the cross on Friday and now he's resurrected. And I pray that every one of you will not just follow Jesus, but you will find forgiveness in Christ Jesus. I mean, if Christ was able to heal a paralyzed man, if you go back to the book of Mark chapter 1, verse 21, he, called, he, he actually deals with that impure spirit. If Jesus is able to cleanse someone with an impure spirit, if Jesus is able to forgive someone of his paralyzed nature, God is able to forgive you of your sins. And today, even as I conclude this, I just want to remind you that Christ loves you and that Christ has forgiven you. Your sins have been forgiven. 
receive the healing that comes from that cross. Because that blood of Jesus that was poured for us and for you and for me and for many, that blood has the power to remove every infirmity, every addiction, every chain has been broken because of the blood of Jesus. And so may you find freedom and may God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for just taking time to watch. And in case you need anyone to talk to, you know, just chat in the section and say, I want to talk to someone. And we will reach out to you. May God bless you and see you next week.